Gavin Knighty in this week. I know, what's wrong with you, Gavin? You don't sound Irish, you're not talking about Bono and rock music. What else does Gavin talk about? I don't even know. Uh, I'm Gav, auto-tune is banned. <laughs> White Americans don't know what it's like to be Irish. What, what's your favourite your favorite artist, Gavin? Oh, I should know that. It's Kate Bush or someone, I don't know. Very well done, Gavin. Gavin, you know your favourite artists because Yay. you are Gavin. Hooray. Because I am Gavin. I am Gavin. Neo Gavin is just as good as, as old Gavin. Neo old, Gavin tired from Canada. Gavin. Yeah, we, we, we've replaced Gavin this week because as we discovered, I can just replace everyone. Uh, this week I did one of Jim's reviews for him that he couldn't do. I did one of Gavin's songs that he couldn't do a song about. We're just like, yeah, we don't need Gavin. Get rid of Gavin. We'll get new Gavin. New Gavin is, you know, far superior, I, th- I feel. I think so, but then I'm extremely biased. <laughs> should we should we introduce who new Gavin is, or do we just... We'll make... introduce... Yeah, yeah, we'll introduce new Gavin. Um, should be a voice familiar to people who, uh, you know, followed my work when I was at The Escapist. Um, we, we both sort of... Like departed that era of things, but I still consider him a very good pal of mine, and uh, still he just still does fine work in loading ready run. Uh, we are joined this week by Graham Stark. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, always a pleasure, never a chore. I'm here, of course, uh, as always, uh, with Laura as well. Hello, Laura. Hello, how are you this week, Jim? I'm fantastic. Back still injured, but I bought myself a fancy cane because I figured if I'm going to be injured, I'm going to do it in style. So I've got this nice cane with a silver spider on top for a handle. How very, uh, very fancy. It's good. It's good. Um, the only trouble is, is I, I, I sh- I, I'm shy about using it in public because I don't. People will look at it and just go, they will just go, he uses that because he's fat. And I'm like, it's not because I'm fat, it's because I injured my back. You have to, this is classy what I'm doing. It's not like. You know, I'm eating at the Golden Corral every day, which I wouldn't do. Do you need to pin, like, a sign to your front and your back on all of your clothing that just says, I'm not fat, I hurt my back lifting something? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I am fat, I can't deny that. But I, mean, <laughs> I need them to know, like, which which problems I have because I'm fat and which problems I have because I want a silver-handled spider cane. <laughs> and, you know, it's an important distinction that people, people without my d- disease won't understand so that's something that needs to be addressed is there's a difference between needing something because you're fat and needing something because you want a silver top spider cane i want a powdered wig as well i was watching amadeus last night and pretty much everything in that confirmed to me that i I was born in the wrong era i want powdered wigs and painted faces and pink velvet coats the silver topped spider cane means it must be awfully difficult to convince like airport security that you're not a supervillain <laughs> that's true that's true when i, I turn up in a, with a black trench coat on and a bl- bl- nothing but black and red attire and a bowler hat <laughs> and with a silver top cane and gloves um no it's a, I, I normally just turn up with a video game t-shirt oh goodness the, like a twat <laughs> the, the only thing that's injured me this week is is my pride has been severely injured because i have spent an unholy number of hours not being good at video games this week. Yes, that was... Uh, I was there for quite a bit of the yeah, weekend. Yeah, you kept jumping in. Uh, I've been trying to finish playing Undertale for a Let's Play this week, and yeah, the final boss of the genocide run of Undertale, I've put about 30 hours into that over like four days. Didn't quite beat Dodger's record. No, I didn't. I didn't quite do it in the six hours that it took Dodger to do it. Um, I still haven't managed it. 
I have gotten to the very last part of the very last attack where there's a load of spinny lasers in a circle and I have to move around in a circle at the same speed as the lasers. I can get there. I'm just moving at the wrong speed for the lasers. So, yeah, I'm like 30 hours and like 500 plus deaths in and I still haven't quite beaten that boss. An update to this, um, about 40 minutes after we finished recording, I did finally beat Sans, so... There you go, there's an update to a thing that we said. <laughs> I, I would not, I wouldn't have lasted. I don't have the patience for that. Like, I, I kept checking in and I was like, holy shit. Like, the fact that you're still doing it is, it, it's an iron will that I, <laughs> I, I can't fathom. I'm, all I'm going to do now is I'm going to send, like, the archived stream footage to anyone who ever says, like, oh yeah, uh, Undertale, it's one of those not games. I'm like, just look at this for, like... Let's say 18 hours. Just watch this for 18 hours and tell me this isn't a video game. I never got that argument. I mean, it's <laughs> it just, I guess just because it was, its themes were a bit different. It's, it's I mean, Mechanically, it was so fucking, it, it was pure video games, Undertale. It's, it's because it's got a writing style and humour that appeals more to 18 to 25 year old women than it does 18 to 25 year old men. And as such, it's not a game. It's bullshit. It was fine game, one of my games of the year last year, and I still stand by that. Um, the sheer I fact that I that. the sheer fact that I don't hate it after playing one boss over and over and over for thirty hours means that, like by default, it's my game of the year. It's testament. Graham, did you play Undertale? I haven't yet, and I really have been intending to, but uh, I, I haven't yet got around to it. Though everyone who I whose opinion I respect tells me I should, so I really yeah, should. It's, yeah, it, I. I I, I feel like you, you'd really get on with it. Yeah, J- Jim's entire pitch to me that sold me on Undertale was, um, it's an RPG where you can date a skeleton who hides um, spaghetti under his hat. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's, sold. that feels like a good use of my time. A good friend of mine described it as a game about playing Earthbound. That is actually really apt. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah there, and, there, there is. Yeah, it's hard to dispute. And I haven't, I haven't played Earthbound, and they said that doesn't actually matter because it's no. still great on its own. But if you have, if you have played Earthbound, you sort of get what they're doing. It it very much feels like the character could have walked off at the end of Earthbound, fallen down a hole, and died, and that's where like this game starts. Mm-hmm. It's like if you have played Earthbound, it's like oh yeah, that corpse over there is probably the Earthbound guy. Maybe I don't know. Here's an <laughs> RPG. <laughs> um. So yeah, what have, should we start by talking about things we've been playing this week? Because that's kind of what I've thrown us into. Uh, yeah, why not? Why not? Graham, you you played a thing this week. What did you play this week? Yeah, I uh, I played Firewatch. Indeed. What did you think of Firewatch? I loved it. I thought it was delightful. I know. It's, it is a really wonderful, it's a great short, little game. polished experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really nice. And uh, I, I think it has a lot of unfair dialogue surrounding it because it's just a wonderful little thing that you should get and take your time with and enjoy. Mm. I'm I'm going to ask you about the one thing about this game that seems to be like the big thing a lot of people dislike that mm-hmm. I don't dislike. What did you think of the ending? I thought it was fine. I I had no problem with the ending. I actually want to go back and and try um are we are we in a post spoiler world for, Sh- for Firewatch? Should we say like skip two minutes ahead, listeners, if you don't want spoilers? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, go on, yeah. go on, do spoilers. All right, I want to go back and play it again because I heard that if you, when you're going through it, if you 
are very cagey with Delilah about talking to her about Julia. Mm. If you keep Julia's details very close to your chest, then Delilah just sort of assumes that Julia is like an ex-wife and out Mm. of the picture and the whole her convincing you to visit Julia at the end of the game doesn't happen. Yeah, and she can like totally hit on you at times, which you might not do if you're good with your wife, uh, like talking about your wife. There is a fantastic playthrough that like someone suggested that I went and recently did this week, which was go through the game not saying a word to Delilah. Just don't say a word to her. And the dialogue plays out very differently in a very interesting way. Oh, wow. Mm. I hadn't even thought of that. That must get... That must they, make Delilah seem kind of crazy because she just would keep talking to yeah, you. Yeah, you basically have like the the pleading rants of someone who's like getting really lonely, and it's like, I know you're there, I can see you, just answer me, please. Oh, and oh, that's, it gets that, that kind sounds of, very disturbing. It gets kind of sad at points. Um, other thing that's really interesting, you can sequence break that game and go to places that don't seem like you should be able to go there. Like oh, speedrun strats. Uh, you know, you know the place where you go at the end of the game. Yeah. You can go there as soon as you've got the axe. You can just really? head over there. And you get different dialogue for heading there before the end of the game. There is an excuse why she's not there. And you get some unique dialogue. What? <laughs> I need to do that. I know. Did you know there's 12 baby turtles to find that you can keep in a box under your bed? I, d- I didn't even find one. That's, that's, that's the main reason I need to replay it, because I didn't find <laughs> one of those goddamn turtles. You already goddamn turtle to, box. Yeah. I need to collect some turtles. I, I am, this is the thing, is like, I played through it once and was like, okay, I feel like playing through this once is enough, and I talked to some other people who'd finished it and was like, I missed so much in this game, I need to go back and play this soon. Exactly. This is, this is another reason why I think that the, the issue of gameplay length in in this one specifically is so stupid because i really want to play this a second time if not a third i didn't see a single raccoon i didn't find a single turtle and there's like there's also so much of that narrative that once you know where it's going to end is very interesting to watch how they sort of led up to it and how you were misled around it Mm -hmm. there is definitely some interesting stuff to go through it's one of those that like i finished it and wanted to go straight back in and be like what did I miss along this this path? Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's just an utterly delightful experience, and uh, I've been highly recommending it on 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 Twitter. Yeah, just uh, just make sure you're aware that you're recommending an SJW game because you know it it deals with feelings, and as such, you're an SJW now. I, I saw that <laughs> criticism, and I think that's the dumbest criticism of the many. <laughs> It is, leveled against the game. It is an incredibly dumb criticism of that game, but, you know... There's someone in the special thanks that I don't like for whatever reason, and therefore... <laughs> well, at I least... I once opened a can of Coke, and it splashed on me, SJW Coke, and it... it well, at least if, like, people were saying there's someone I don't like in the game, therefore I don't like it, that would be, like, a reasonable reasoning, but when they're just like, no, feelings, yeah, It's like, not really, um... One thing I did think is interesting, and like probably last thing I'll bring up about Firewatch. Did you know that uh, people who were doing like who weren't critics, who were just streamers, who got got sent copies of the game, their copies of the game did not have the opening text that tells you about your relationship with your wife. Oh, uh, that is entirely missing. Interesting. And I get to an extent why that is because it's down to the fact that it's like, hey. 
we want people who are tuning in for a live stream to see the bulk of the gameplay. I yeah, yeah, kind of rushed 15 through. minutes. Yeah. Not 15 minutes 15, of text, yeah. But, like, that must that's so weird to me that so many of the people that they were, like, sending codes to to be like, hey, show off the game and be, like, tastemakers for this game were missing a huge chunk of, it's, like, why It's a robbery of valuable there. context. Yeah. It's such a it's such a gut punch the game opens on. Like, it's, it's so necessary. And I don't know how, like... Because I imagine your whole relationship with Delilah must be so different if you don't know what happened between you and your wife. It's like, oh, well, if I'm out in the woods, I probably just divorced her or something, you know? I'll just go out with this nice new person. And that definitely would change that experience. Yeah, that like that rewrites mentally so much. That's a, a weird move. Yeah. So there we go. Firewatch. Firewatch was the thing this week. Firewatch. Do you play anything this week, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, I played two two games mostly. Played uh, Far Cry Primal, which I'm told I'm wrong for liking. I like it too. And I really liked it. I, I felt, and you know, this is coming from someone who really was not that kind to Far Cry 4. Like, I was so mm. tired of Far Cry. Uh, but this, to me, seems just like such a bold move, and it really, really impressed me. I really love the story. I love the atmosphere. I love the environment. I love the, the world they built. Uh, I love the, the animals that you can fight with and all this stuff. You know, it's got problems. The melee combat could have been a bit more nuanced and stuff. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it isn't to me, oh, it's just Far Cry with clubs. Like a lot of people are saying, you know, it's Far Cry without the guns. I just, mm. obviously, there are a lot of familiar. Far Cry threads in there, clearly. It's a, it's, it is a Far Cry game. You can't get away from that. And it's mm. got similar problems to uh, Far Cry 4 and Far Cry 3. But it still is... I mean, it, it's committed to its premise a lot more than recent mm. Call of Duties have, where they're like, oh yeah, this one's set in the future, but it, it's really just the same old Call of Duty game with a few like double jumps and things. Whereas this, they really did, I feel, commit to the idea of we are going to take the Far Cry formula and really make it feel like this is in the Stone Age, you know? Um, mm. And, and, and I, I was impressed with it. I thought it was a great game. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I, I was a bit surprised. I thought a lot more people would be uh, a lot more on board with it, yeah. but apparently it's, not. It's, it's odd in that the people who seem to be the most on board with it are the people that don't generally enjoy Far Cry and that haven't well, enjoyed the last couple yeah, of Far Cry games. I, I seem to be... I seem to have noticed this going on mm. with looking at my history of um, Ubisoft reviews. Um, I tend to have the opposite opinion to everyone else. Like, yeah. didn't like Assassin's Creed 2, but everyone says it's really good. Uh, didn't like Assassin's Creed uh, Unity, uh, and a lot of people are like, well, he, if you ignore all of the bugs and the launch day problems, it's a good game. Uh, whereas I thought it was, you know, fairly mediocre even without the mm. bugs. Um, and I, I was fairly fond of Syndicate. I thought Syndicate was a pretty good game. And again, this is coming from someone who's always been cynical about Assassin's Creed. I was fairly positive on Syndicate, but then everyone was saying Syndicate was shit. <laughs> uh, and then Far Cry 4, 
I was uh, very sketchy on it. I gave it like a six. I was like, yeah, it's all right, but it's kind of dull. And then people were like, oh, you don't know what you're fucking talking about. Far Cry 4 is really good. And then Far Cry Primal, I'm like, this is great. I'm having a fantastic time. And then it's, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Ubisoft probably signed a, a secret sponsorship deal with you. And that's why you're being nice. Oh, God. I, and... got, I got accused of so many sponsorship deals when yeah. I was positive about that game. And I'm like, no, I just like it. Because um, I'm in a very similar camp to you in that I haven't liked most Ubisoft games in a while particularly like the last few Far Cry games just haven't been for me and I was saying this like back a couple of months back when I played what was it the first three hours or so at a preview event and I was like this feels very different it feels like they very much committed to making something that feels fresh and new it's not perfect by any means it has a lot of problems that people have criticised in past Far Cry games that they've done nothing about a big example like the first time that you have to go like, hey, drink this stuff and go on a drug-induced, like, magic fly-through-the-air quest, that basically feels like you put that in there because that's what you did in past Far Cries and it's like... Yeah, can we just, like... Drugs. Can we put this out on the table now? Mm. The, the hallucination sequences in Far Cry games are a bit toss. Well, the like, one... Can we just admit that now? They're not clever. The... They're kind of boring. The ones in Far Cry Primal make sense contextually if they were about a quarter of the length. Like, if you walk up to the animal once, do a bit of travelling as that animal, and then you're done, that would have been fine. It's when they then make you walk slowly again to the animal, do the... Like, the owl, the first one you get, it's like, slowly walk to the owl, fly as the owl, slowly walk to the owl, fly as the owl, slowly walk to the owl, fly as the owl, slowly walk to the owl... There you go. It's like just, and the just, other ones are not much uh, better. I mean, they're just these linear, repetitive, like, interruptions in the, the regular yeah. gameplay. It's like, I want in, to do this for the reward. I don't want to do it for the gameplay that it's making me do. In defense of the drug-induced parts of Far Cry 4, you do get a tiger friend. Well, you get cool friends in this too, but it feels like it only exists in Primal just to be like... Tiger we, friend. But you can have so many friends in this game. I had what? What friends did I have in this game? I you had, can have badger I had a, friend. I had a, like a honey badger friend. I had a bear friend. I had a wolf friend. I had a leopard friend. I had oh, this a, sounds amazing. The first chance I got, I, I did the hunts to get the legendary ones. Yeah, so I can get the blood fang saber tooth and the, oh my god, the like scar the, bear the and all white this stuff. tigers and oh, I have so many pets. They're adorable. I can pet them and feed them raw meat, and they're my friends. Can ride a bear. My, my, like, what's up? My favourite thing about the animals in Far Cry Primal is if you're in water and you duck down, they will completely submerge themselves in water and then just smile at you while, like, somehow not drowning. And that makes me endlessly amused. It's good to do. Yeah. So, Far Cry Primal, really surprisingly good. Um, yeah, you can break a spear off in a mammoth anus. <laughs> I, I like that... Um, you always feel, feel very vulnerable, particularly to the animals more than the people. Oh yeah, like you can be like like slowly hunting someone. Like you've got these like you know Udam tribes people or whatever, and you're like, I'm just gonna go up and, and smash some heads in. This is gonna be awesome. Oh shit, yeah. cave lion! And then you got to deal with a cave lion. Oh exactly, like the set because I'd played through the opening already. The second time I played through, there's that very opening mission where you're like, oh go hunt down these Udam people. And I was like, oh yeah, this will be easy, this will be easy, I've done it before. I got attacked by a leopard and was like, nope, don't know what to do, I'm running. Oh no, it's a leopard, it's faster than me. And I just constantly felt like I could be killed at any moment, which was good. And I like the stripped down story where it's just, 
There are other people here. They're cannibals. There are monsters. They'll eat. There, there, there are animals. They'll eat people. Try not to get eaten by the animals or the people that eat people. Yeah, the Arking story was very simple, but the characters inside it, I feel, were, were very realised mm. and very sympathetic. Um, and, and that just ultimately made it the most enjoyable Far Cry story for me. It, it was very well portrayed, very simple characters. Yeah, it, it was very well done. Sorry, something that struck me as odd only from watching it. I haven't played it yet, but I do intend to check it out because I, I think it looks fun, as you say. Is that the the UI, the overlay, is so slick and so high tech? It feels weird, like the like that there's a that there's a mini map. You know what you can do? You can turn all of that off. Really? In the menu options, there are toggles for every single UI item. You can turn off some of them, or all of them, or whichever ones you want. So the first thing I did was I turned off the mini-map, I turned off a lot of the HUD elements, and I was just like, there we go, let's turn all that off. And Okay, that I, sounds great. I had a better experience for it. I got lost half the time, but that's half the fun of it. So yeah, I'm, you can toggle yeah. on, on and off like pretty much any of those HUD elements. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Because the actual the actual gameplay of Far Cry Four, uh, myself and Paul played it on stream. Uh, the actual gameplay was perfectly fine. It was the sort of the the plot and a lot of surrounding aspects of the game that we found super ridiculous. Like kill four Bengal tigers to make a slightly larger wallet uh, was really weird, and the fact that your choices were stupid and didn't matter but uh this th this looks sweet i'll have to ch i'll have to try it yeah like that was a lot of my big problems with far cry 4 where its story just didn't really go anywhere very fast um no like the most they, interesting... they were so keen on pushing pagan min as a villain they forgot to build a world up around him and the problem there as well is pagan min's the most interesting part of that world and then he vanishes for most of the game which yeah. you know you're like none of you were pagan min um but, like, th this strips out a lot of the complaints I had about Far Cry 4, and it's like, oh, okay, it turns out I quite like the gameplay loop of a, four, uh, of, a, of a Far Cry game when it's not surrounded by all of this extraneous gubbins. Yeah, I mean, there's still a ton of busy work, and it can overwhelm, but once you work out what's worth your time and what isn't worth your time, you get on with it a lot better. I feel it's a lot easier to suss out, like this quest's worth doing versus this sudden event that's cropped up is just a repetitive waste of my time. Uh, and so once you can laser focus on, you know, I want to do these quests for these Wenger and, you know, I want to do these hunting quests and all this stuff, it really uh, really pieces together. And I started mm -hmm. finding progress was being made really well and I wasn't feeling like I was being distracted constantly. Yeah. Also, no towers. There, there, no are no, there are no map towers. Wait, what? There are no yeah, map there's towers. No climbing this towers. Is, this is an Ubisoft game, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I don't believe you. Th they have fast travel fires that you can light, but those <laughs> don't reveal any of the map. The map's revealed as you walk around the yeah, world. Yeah, that is the only way you reveal the map is by walking. And there's none of that stupid climbing up towers that takes forever yeah. and just it isn't fun because it's not gameplay. I am i can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure when I played it at preview, I think when you lit the fires, you did get a bit of a circle of map influence around there. You don't anymore for certain. You don't get any map for lighting these towers. It's just... 
You want to know what's just over there? Of, Go walk. It's incremental. I mean, one of the animals you get, if you get a... Um, I think it might be a leopard or a wolf. Actually, I think it's a wolf. If you have a wolf companion with you, they open up the map at a wider radius. So mm. as you travel, you can unlock more by having a wolf with you, which is it's or, a clever and nice passive sort of way of doing things. You, you can also unlock bits of the map by standing somewhere that you, like, you can't get to where you're trying to go, but you can fly your owl over there. And your owl will open up a bit of the map on it. It's like, okay, that's what the, the the owl saw. It told you how to fill in the map. Yeah, it's 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 it feels it just feels better. It feels better than having to climb up things. It's just it doesn't put so many roadblocks in the way of you progressing and enjoying the game that you you paid to play. Speaking mm. of which, no season pass as well. So yeah, and no microtransactions that I could find. No, no co-op either. Like they no. took they they really have like sidestepped a lot of the kind of AAA it's, clutches. It's the an clutches offline. Crutches. It's an offline single player Ubisoft game with no towers. Yeah, I'm having and, a real and, hard time believing this. I I, I tell you, it's true. I, people kept criti- like when I was saying this stuff at preview. People were like, "No, that can't be right." I'm like, "It is. I, I swear it's true." Bards sing tales in taverns around the village of this uh, strange and wonderful new thing that's been seen. Uh, an Ubisoft <laughs> game that feels like an actual finished product. <laughs> Oh goodness! Speaking of things that don't feel like finished products yet, Fallout Four. <gasps> sir, uh, why I say Fallout Four? Uh, speaking of things that are still not feeling like finished products, Street Fighter Five servers still aren't working properly. Uh, yes, yes, you tried to capture some footage for me. Yeah, for the, I had um, to capture. Right I had to capture for... story fo- mode footage because just like I still can't get into matches properly. I have very yeah. good internet. I can't get into matches reliably in Street Fighter. I need footage for I needed footage for a gymquisition this week by someone who could actually play Street Fighter Five because I can't play Street Fighter. And, and there was no one around, so you got me. <laughs> you can play it better than I can, um, but you can't play it online because couldn't get the fucking online service to work. Thanks, Capcom. That's yeah, sad. That uh, whole thing is just sad th- at this point. There is a little bit of news about that this week. Apparently, also. Um, if you can get into an online match and you're losing, you can just quit the ranked match and there are no penalties for rage quitting. Like, you don't get punished for like, oh, I'm losing, I'll quit out of this match before it saves my stats. There's just uh-huh. no penalty for that. Yeah. So. I can see people having some issues with that. Yeah, I can see why people might not be happy with that. So, yay, Street Fighter V is a AAA game that was released at full price. Hooray! Hooray! Uh, what else we got on news this week? Uh, news, news, news. Twitch is getting a new feature this week. Um, don't know what either of you are going to think about this. It's getting something called chat replay. Basically, that means if you watch someone's Twitch stream that's not live, that's archived, the Twitch chat will appear next to it and will show the messages that were next to the stream at that I moment in the stream. I don't want to see the chat while it's live! So, <laughs> so I think this is fantastic, actually. Uh, because this is something that our users, the people in our street, we stream a lot of Mm. stuff. And in our stream chat, we have a bot that some of our mods have written. And one of the things the bot does is exactly this. Mm. If you go to a website specifically set up for the bot and you watch our, our VODs, uh, they have the chat in there. And a lot of our users really like this. Yeah. It should be noted. It's important to note that we actually have a really good chat room. Uh, but, um, you can hide it, Jim. You can just not. You can just make it go away. 
but some some things that I really like about it is if a user was uh, banned or messages were deleted by mods in the chat live at the time, those messages just won't show up Ooh, in the replay. That's really nice functionality wise. That is, yeah. I didn't know that much about it. And Ooh. if there's something if there's something that was missed, a mod can still moderate the chat replay as well. Mm. And this is interesting because like. I know that for me it's not something I want because I tend not to interact with the chat communities on on things like Twitch, uh, or at least like I, I'm like oh stay away if I can help it because you know they're not always pleasant places. That being said, if you're part of a good community that you have fun with, I can totally see the appeal of like I want to watch this late, but I still want to get the experience of seeing what the community's reactions were. Like, let's mm-hmm. say the moment on a stream when you beat some big tough enemy and the whole chat just explodes and everyone gets excited that's a part of the what the twitch watching experience and mm-hmm. it is nice that that can be archived yeah and i get yeah. that you know oh twitch chat is garbage and and it's you know full of horrible people <laughs> as a as a meme i get that and it's yeah. largely accurate but uh for you know for certain uses i think this is a super cool feature that if you don't want to use it doesn't affect you at all exactly um it is it is an interesting feature to add. I'm curious what it will do with um, whether this is a move potentially to encourage like, well, you know, people might put their VODs on YouTube, but stay on Twitch, because if you watch the VOD on Twitch, not the export they did to YouTube, then, you know, you'll see the chat as well, and that'll be extra value. Please don't go and watch the YouTube exports of the VODs. I think that's probably a big part of it. Mm. The only problem being that the VODs are no longer permanent on Twitch, which they were yes. a while ago. No. So we still we still cross archive everything to yeah. a separate YouTube channel just for that purpose, uh, and exactly. that's something you're going to lose. So yeah, and that is interesting. Like I, I I couldn't I couldn't imagine a situation where like they find any way of exporting that chat experience along with your exported VOD. Like yeah. there would be functionality to do it, but I don't think that's everything. We'll see. At least I hope not. So, yeah, that's the thing that Twitch is getting now. Um, what else happened this week? Activision bought the Candy Crush developers, King.com. Oh, Activision, you are terrifyingly large. Scum absorbs scum. Makes no difference. Yeah, they seem, like, they seem like they deserve each other. Yeah. Activision are the kind of company where it's like, you just, you just want to own everyone. Like, from the corest of the core to the least of the least, and I can understand that as a business tactic, but you terrify me with the things that you you own and the things that you control. It's a typical corporate tactic. Buy your competition. Either you'll profit off them or they'll fail and you will have just killed one of your competition. Like, it's it's, it's just a win-win gambit for them. We see this in on a smaller level in games media where, you know, various corporations will buy various websites and do nothing with them. And it just becomes this case of if they happen to succeed on their own and turn a profit, well, we make money. If they don't, well, it was one less rival that we, you know, don't have to deal with anymore. So it, it's, it really is one of those low-risk situations. Obviously, they put the money in, but yeah, to a I, company I, like Activision, it's chump change. I like that you call it a low-risk uh, decision when it's like, oh, yeah, we all we did was we bought the, the Candy Crush developer, you know, lo- low-risk. That's what it is. I mean, when we're dealing with, like, the kind of money that you or I just can't even imagine... The, the the value to them is so much less. 
Mm. You know, Activision can afford a lot of things. And this, this, I would, I don't think buying King is a risk to them. They win either way. Right. Either they keep making money off Candy Crush, or King goes away. They've still got the Candy Crush IP, and I, can do whatever they want with it. I suppose so. You are very, very right there. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what? What else do we have this week? Uh, I played Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare too. Oh, how's that one? I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, better than I did the last one. I thought the last one was fairly mediocre. I didn't really uh, find much fun in it. Uh, it does seem like PopCap and, and, and whatnot have taken on board a lot of criticisms. So they've made the game a lot more dynamic, a lot more uh, involved. Um, you know, They've given you this sort of hub world that you can play in and you can dive in and out of multiplayer matches or cooperative matches or single-player uh, quests from this one area uh, and they got some fun classes um, I'm still stuck with the sunflower because it's, it's my favourite class and I, even though it's not one of the new ones I just I really like it and I still can't play as the zombies I just I don't get it like I can't find a zombie class that I like I can find you know I love the sunflower in the plants and I'll mess with the, the corn cob one and, and some of the other plant ones but I cannot find a zombie that I like. That's the one thing that's kind of dampening my fun. But otherwise, I mean, I'm loving how it looks. It's, it's you know, they, they've upped that. Like, they've made it a lot more. It, it looks better. Like, it was already looking pretty good, but they've it just looks more exciting and vibrant and everything. And I really like the emphasis on getting extra characters for each class. And, and their sticker system seems a bit less designed for future microtransactions as the old one was. It seems a bit less cynical since the money you earn to unlock stickers comes to you a lot more a lot more free and fast. Um, I've so never yeah. I've never really played any of the Garden Warfare, so I have nothing to add to this conversation. <laughs> Graham, have Wait. you played any of them? No, I still have a hard time believing they're real. I know. It's like, when the original game was announced it looked like an april fool's joke it was like plants versus zombies but call of duty isn't it hilarious and it's, it's like yeah that that's a funny joke you guys wait what my impression of it has always been like it's that 10 minute um like spoof game they had for call of duty where it's like ah ha, ha, it's the, the funny thing we met made and it's like 10 minutes long so the joke doesn't outstay its welcome i don't see the appeal in playing something like this entirely i think what makes it work is the whole garden like the whole modern warfare joke it exists only in the title really the actual game itself uh, is much more plants versus zombies it, it's they lean on that so much more than they do on call of duty so it's just a cute third person shooter where you're plants and zombies and they've each got like really weird and really quite wacky and out their skill sets and weapons. The, um, the crux of my dislike of it is probably just it's a third-person shooter. That that's probably all they needed. To that know. might be it. That might be it. Like, um, uh, but yeah. again, it's not. It doesn't feel like your typical third-person shooter. I mean, it's no Splatoon, but if you look at Gears of War and Splatoon, Plants vs Zombies: Garden Warfare edges a lot closer to the Splatoon end where it's very fast-paced, very cartoony, uh, very silly, um, and, and, you know, relatively non-violent insofar as it's incredibly cartoony. Uh, so it's got a real, uh, a real extra charisma to it that you don't get in a lot of shooters. Um, 
So there is something I just find appealing about it. And I say this again as someone who thought the first Garden Warfare was fairly mediocre and pedestrian. It didn't really grab me and it felt very cynical. Whereas this one, it seems like they really want to make a, a really involved, fun silly shooter game uh, mm -hmm. which I'm a big fan of you know I'm a big fan of, of Splatoon and, and I'm a big fan of the idea of multiplayer shooter games that aren't you know dark violent blood soaked ones which I like I, I love me some ultra violence bit of the old ultra violence but there's definitely room for this kind of stuff and, and I do I'm I, I've I'm enjoying it so far. We'll see if I get bored of it. I've not had too too much uh, time with it so far, but thus far I have been having a, a good giggle with it, and fingers crossed I'll have a review up on Friday for that, I think. We'll see how it goes. Woo. Um, things that happened this week as well. Uh, Fallout 4's getting official mod support on PC in April. No word on when console mods are coming. Any thoughts on this? Nah, not really. <laughs> Did you talk about the the Fallout 4 DLC thing? We talked briefly about it last week. I think we okay. we we, ba we basically said, "Hey, there are three DLCs coming, and then some more at some point. They're leading up to E3. We'll probably hear about the other ones off at E3." I, well, I was more interested in the fucking price hike for the season pass. Yeah, we kind of got That's stuck what... up on on that last. Yeah, week. I, I mentioned it, but then we um we got way late to something else. I was going to say, I imagine Jim had had some opinions. Yeah, I never got round to them last week, but uh, pretty fucking shit. I pretty fucking shit. Just driving up that price like that. I'm in the camp where I don't mind them so so much. In that they have not just hiked the price out of nowhere. They are giving you six weeks still to be like, this is what the DLCs will be. This is when they're coming. This is how much they'll be to buy individually. You've still got six weeks to buy them at the like buying them early price. Yeah, it's still kind of shitty that they're pushing that price up. But it feels uh, it, it feels could... a little strong, army. You know, like it's you're still paying for stuff you don't know if it's going to be good or not yet. So it's it... like, well, quick, buy it before you know whether it's going to be good or not, because then the price goes up. Like I find that. Well, I mean, it unsettles me. If you're that deep into Fallout Four that you're already enjoying it plenty, I, I think it's safe. I think it's a safe bet that you would be enjoying this DLC. It's probably additional content. I'm happy to pay for more content. Yeah, that's that's the position I'm in. Like, I mean, don't I've get been me wrong. I, a I, lot of Fallout Four. I trust Bethesda when it comes to extended content more than a lot of companies, uh, but that's what makes this even sadder for me because it's like you don't have you don't have to do this. You have a lot more goodwill than a lot of uh, AAA publishers in your position. And to, to squander it on moves like this, I find it, it's just... I don't, I don't see the long-term value in it. The, the value in it is them getting the pre-orders, and they know that they have that goodwill. It's, so, it's, it's I, the I don't see the long-term value well, in it. I don't see the, you know, the, the, souring the good reputation you have well, for who some says games they, now. Who says they are souring their reputation in it? In that, like... Bunches of people who do not, on principle, pre-order games pre-ordered Fallout 4 so they could get a Pip-Boy edition. And most people weren't unhappy with that unless their arms didn't fit in the Pip-Boy. And, like... I'm here's just the thing, saying, I'm not ordering a Pip-Boy edition again. Or, or a Mega Man helmet. <laughs> yeah, I didn't order that, that just turned up. But that Mega Man helmet doesn't fit on my head. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, like... 
I don't think they are, as long as the content is good, I don't think that they are, they're running a risk of souring that reputation, obviously. But as long as it is more Fallout content, they're probably pretty safe in pushing for pre-orders and knowing that it's not going to harm them in the long run. I've never seen the Fallout community be so unified on being pretty okay with it. (laughs) In terms of, like, you know, patch notes or, you know, balance changes or whatever. Considering what does piss them off. Exactly. Threads and threads of anger. And, you know, this when they were like, okay, we're doing more DLC than we thought, so we're raising the price. But if you bought it at the lower price, you get to keep it at the lower price. And you have six weeks to continue to buy it at the lower price, and you'll still get everything. And the community was like, oh, well, okay. Well, that's the thing. I, I looked at that, and I was like, I get that it sucks that they're raising the price. I get why they're doing it. It's, you know, and they're giving us a grace period to to still buy it at that lower price. I'm totally okay with that because it's Bethesda and Bethesda haven't, like, done anything terrible in recent memory. So, yeah, go ahead, Bethesda, I'll trust you. It unsettles me is all I'm saying. Like, I, I tend to view things not just in what this company's doing, but what other companies will look at and think... Can we get away don't, with this as well? Don't do the slippery slope arguments, Jim. Complain people, about what's happening now, not what might happen in the future. People call slippery slope arguments a fallacy. <laughs> and 50% of them are, but 50% of them are not. You are correct, but complain about when the slope gets to the bit you don't like. Perhaps. Or at least that's how I'm going down the slope. It's like, look, we're going down a slope. We'll, we'll complain about things when bad things happen. I don't know. Like, I'm all I'm going to say is I'm not going to throw a bunch of chum in the ocean, dive in there, and worry about the sharks when they're biting my bollocks off. That that is also a fair perspective. Um, if you want somewhere else to throw a bunch of money, we found out how much the Steam VR HTC Vive thing's going to cost. It's going to be pretty much eight hundred US dollars at launch. Yeah, I, I, I saw Ben Kachera running damage control on it already. So, some VR companies really need to start paying that boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, here is my response to that price. I saw it coming in that, like, it is a better quality VR headset from what I've seen than the Oculus, and it's coming bundled with its motion controllers, which the Oculus wasn't. Um, I expected it to be more expensive, I dread to think, like, what that's going to do market-wise. I am very curious about the PlayStation VR, which apparently in the next month or so is having an event where they're going to talk about price and release plans and stuff. If that is not sub $500, if it's not, say, let's say $300 at most, VR isn't going to be a thing this year for the mass market consumer, I don't think. Because that's some scary yeah. numbers we're currently looking at. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I get the arguments of, oh, you know, DVD players, when they first came out, they were a thousand bucks and all this stuff. But they're not now. And this stuff is still, like, so untested in the market and st- still has, again, without financial barriers, a load of other barriers, health barriers and eyesight barriers and all this stuff. Um, it just... I don't know. I, I can't see it flying off shelves. I, I, I'm well, still very interested in VR. I still would like time, it to do well, but... At the same time, that's why I don't understand why people freak out about these prices. Because it's like, 
we don't we don't know. They are untested. You don't have to test them. No one's making you test them. Don't buy it. I, Wait to see what happens. I'm sad about the price in as much as I've been able to try most of the like pretty close to ready versions of these headsets, and I got really excited about the tech, and then it's like, oh, I can't afford to be an early adopter on this. That makes me a bit sad that I can't early adopt on this exciting thing. True. Which, you, you are know, in a unique position. Yeah, like not everyone has tried them all, etc. But it is going to be one of those things where once you've tried it and you're like, oh, okay, I see why this is a thing. It's going to be sad when it's like, oh, I can't afford it and all these games are coming out. <laughs> but All uh, I know is it's $99 for a Samsung Gear VR and I don't care about the quality when I'm looking at the woman and she's pissing in my face. <laughs> It's it's I, I'm not looking at the, the you know the resolution. You you can get a Google cardboard for twenty dollars, hold it to your face with one hand, and you know you still got a hand free. And you get that woman, uh, foreign exchange student. It's on virtualrealporn.com. She'll piss in your face, and I I didn't even get it for that. I didn't know <coughs> she was gonna piss herself. <laughs> that just happened. That was just a pleasant surprise. Well, it was, it it was like this. It was like she was to being all flirty in the video, and she was all like, "Oh, uh, you know, we are doing our studies, and I can't uh, play around with you. I've got to get this done." And then was like, "I really need the toilet. I'm worried I'll piss myself." And I'm like, "That's not sexy. <laughs> that's that's not sexy." Now the only way for this to be sexy is if she actually just pisses in my face, um, because otherwise. Otherwise, that's a weird non sequitur that we didn't need to know. So it was like, I now have to be into the idea, whether I was or not, I have to be into the idea of being pissed upon or near uh, in order for this to work without it being weird. So you're going to have to piss. I'm going to have to enjoy it. Otherwise, this has been a waste of our time. So so she did piss is, is the is the... The end of that story, and I did. I just uh, went with it because why not? On a slightly related tangent, um, I had a weird week this week where I wrote something about VR porn, and then I got a bunch of emails from like porn company execs that were looking to move into the VR business, which was a weird thing. Basically, I I wrote something about how VR porn, from a female perspective, feels pretty rapey, and. A lot of the way that it's like just inherently built in the examples that currently exist feels very weird and non-consensual. And I got like 15 emails from like p- porn company execs being like, oh, do you mind if we pass this around to our colleagues? I was like, really? <laughs> I-, I wrote a thing about porn. Go away. <laughs> so VR porn is a weird thing. It is a weird thing. I'm going to download this lesbian VR porn here, uh, point of view, and see if that feels creepy. Go right it, might feel, it might feel less creepy if it's girl on girl. We did a story on Checkpoint about, I want to say about a year and a half ago, of someone who'd combined three different pieces of technology. Uh, it was a, a Oculus demo. I believe it was an Oculus. It could have been anything. With a uh, Novint Falcon haptic controller, <laughs> which is like the force feedback controller, yeah. uh, holding a flashlight. So that it it would move 
in relation to your virtual space. So it's basically it's it it was a it was a virtual sex machine. It was it was what it was what uh, people have always wanted. There there Truly. are there are at this point probably like a good few hundred people who've already built themselves virtual like sex robot machines, and to them, good on them. <laughs> Truly, we live in the future. Indeed, the future has arrived. Why would I go outside? I'm going to stay inside with my virtual sex robot today. Um, so yeah. Steam VR is going to be $800. Um, it's coming out in April, I think. They're starting to ship them. And I'm still very curious how it's going to work in, like, rooms that are not a an 11 foot by 11 foot by 11 foot empty cube. We'll see how that works. Come Did to our tupper sex. That's a, that's a VR porn video that I'm looking at right now. What, what was that, Graham? <laughs> Did, did you see the instructions for setting up your room? Oh, I vaguely looked at them and was like, this is not going to go well and closed them. It was basically just like, remove all furniture from room. Yeah, like they're saying like, oh yeah, it'll scale to your room size, so long as you don't mind emptying your room. Like, you do need to have an empty room that becomes your VR holodeck. And that's less than ideal in most home setups. Yep. They're, they're apparently sending me one to review. That's going to be really interesting when I try and set it up in my tiny office. What are you looking at now, Jim? University tournament. What's the tournament? Sex, I think. <laughs> if uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. It's probably a sex tournament. Not. How do you lose? <laughs> um, if, if they run the pigskin to the... Sex quarter? I don't know how sports work. <laughs> uh, this I don't is... know how sex works either, so that could have applied to either thing. This is not like VR porn centric, but I do have some recommendations of introductions that are safe for work for porn films that are well worth just going on YouTube and finding. Uh, there is there is one about lemon whores where two people are farming some lemons and they're lemon like whores. they're talking about their lemons it's like well i hope that none of the lemon whores come and steal our lemons and two women come in in like fishnet things and fill their like fishnet things with lemons and try and run away and they're punished Sorry, point with of order sex. it's the it's the lemon stealing whore yes the lemon stealing whores the lemon whores they steal lemons and they have sex they are lemon whores apparently uh, there is one uh, it's Big Rico's Pizza, I think it's called. And um, a man and his wife are having dinner with both of their sets of parents. And, you know, he's he's making his, his pizza for the family. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's making his, you know, making pizza the Big Rico's big healthy sausage way. Um, and he brings over the pizza, opens the box, and his penis is coming through the, the pizza. Uh, both the sets of parents are still here at the table, mind you. One of them has a heart attack. They have to get pulled out by an ambulance. And the woman's like, how dare you do that? My husband had a heart... My, my father had a heart attack. But while your dick's in the pizza. <laughs> and that's an intro to a porn. Oh, shit. Joanna Angel is stuffing those lemons down her corset. Are you watching Lemon Whores? I'm watching Lemon... Of course I'm watching <laughs> Lemon Whores. Oh, lemon She's whores. snuck in the garden. <laughs> they've all co- they've all gone down the uh, like fishnet corset body stocking thing. Yeah, and and then they get punished for stealing lemons. 
So, do we want to talk about video game stuff some more, or have I completely... That line's brilliant! Has it been about ten seconds since we looked at our lemon tree? (laughs) It is so knowingly stupid. (laughs) It's a horse stealing our lemons! Uh, Graham, I really hope you're going to go look at lemon holes when we're done. I've oh, seen yeah, it. Pulling... You've, you've seen lemon holes. Thank I goodness. I think I've seen yeah. this before. I'm not alone in knowing well, the lemon holes. That's what I was saying. It's it's yeah. it, it's not a lemon whore. It's a lemon stealing whore. They're they're very ah, explicitly clear about I, that. I thought you were questioning whether it was a lemon stealing whore, and I was no. like, oh yes, I shall clarify for you, Graham. It oh, is no, a lemon no. stealing whore. I'm liking how the lemon stealing whore um, refuses to change her ways. When the man tells her off and says, are you going to steal lemons? She goes, yeah. <laughs> are you, why? I, I want to steal the lemons. I feel and like... then, it, then she just gets on her knees and she's about to give him a blowy. And, then, and that, that, that is apparently that crisis resolved. I, I feel like this is, we have an episode title for this week. Probably going to be Lemon Stealing Whores. Um, Fallout 3 is no longer banned in Germany. Hooray. It was Hooray. previously banned in Germany. Now Germany's like, that's all right. A lot of people think maybe we're getting Fallout 3 re-released, because that might be why Germany had to look at whether it was banned or not again. So, and Germany was so excited that they sent piss porn to Jim. Yeah. Are you enjoying your German piss porn? I'm enjoying my German piss porn. I feel like it's a, it, it, it is a fine price to pay for all the great work that I've done for the German people. <laughs> Okay, should we do some questions for a little bit? Should we get some Um, questions done? I want to give a shout-out first off. I want to give a shout-out to Ray Peacock, uh, who is a comedy hero of mine. I've been following his work for many years. I've been a big fan of him when he did the Ray Peacock podcast, uh, when he did the Peacock and Gamble podcast with Ed Gamble, and more recently he works on a podcast called The Parapod, um, which is a supernatural podcast. Um, He... uh, is a sceptic, doesn't believe in ghosts and all that. And he works with another comedian, Barry Dodds, who 100% believes in ghosts, has all the kit, all the EMF readers and all the, the weird radios and things uh, designed to capture ghosts. And he goes to haunted houses and things. And the, the, the podcast is basically an hour of, of Ray Peacock shouting at Barry Dodds for um, being the kind of person who believes in ghosts. And it's, it's a very funny podcast. It's, it's done, you know, a lot, very lightheartedly and, and everything. Um, and being, being a hero of mine, it, it was fairly amazing to uh, see recently Ray Peacock talking about crowdfunding and uh, working independently on the internet and in the interview uh, mentioning me. Uh, mentioning, uh, he said, uh, in, in, in this interview in Byline magazine, issue 10 of Byline, um, he, he did this wonderful answer about, about working online and said that, uh, just use me as an example, just you won't see someone like Jim Sterling on TV anytime soon uh, because of how aggressive he is, but the work he does is very good and uh, it's clear that if, if the only way to get that content is for people to support him on in a crowdfunding way, people throw money at him and, and it's working out really well. Um, so it was, it was just very flattering and very amazing to have someone who, as I say, like I view him as, as a, as a fucking comedy hero of mine. I think mm. his, his work is incredible. And just to have him uh, uh, reference me in an interview like that, completely to my surprise, uh, was was wonderful. And a lot of my fans saw it and saw that at one point Ray in the interview said that uh, people uh, 
really enjoy my entire package. So a lot of fans have been asking now when they're going to get to see my entire package. And uh, the answer is, you know, I'll probably be in England in September. Um, so, you know, those things are arrangeable. <laughs> Uh, but I'm not. I'm not just going to flop them on the lectern in uh, the middle of a gym position, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but I did. I did want to just give that shout out to to Ray and Barry, who you know both men I've become a, a you know a big fan of. Um, you know Barry more recently, and just want to recommend the Parapod. Uh, they're in season two now, which is Mysteries Parapod Mysteries. Uh, if you look for the Parapod on iTunes or whatever, or if you go to theparapod.com, and that's the Parapod. It's like the gym position. You got to have the the there. Uh, theparapod.com. Uh, I I cannot recommend that podcast enough it's it's fucking hilarious and just just very cleverly done it's it's a great concept and 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 thank you to to ray for for giving me that shout out and everything it was it was incredible it was a a huge touching moment so yeah just i wanted to get that done i wanted to say that so and now i've said it can we get a 3d virtual reality representation of your package i might 3d print it how about that? I probably won't need much plastic for that. It'll probably be a cheap job. If just if, like stick it up on Shapeways and like you uh-huh. can download and print if you, Jim Sterling's complete package. If you, you can have my little acorn winky, my little hairless peanut. If you do that, I guarantee thousands of people will download and print it. That so yeah, terrifyingly you are likely yes. not wrong. <laughs> So that has been Jim is great corner. Uh, time for questions. What have we got questions this week? Uh, Chaotic Good Duot wants to ask: What video game would you all like to see a tell-all book written about its development? What game? Yeah, what game would you like to see a tell-all book written about a game's development? The Colonial Marines. Like I, I, I desperately want a full, comprehensive history of Colonial Marines' development. I feel like I would like to see a tell-all book about the development of either the Last Guardian, possibly, possibly Silent Hills. Just mm. one of those projects that. Either a project that just vanished entirely, like Silent Hills, or something that vanished for a decade and then came back. I want to know what happened in that middle bit. You got any answers, Graham? Yeah, I'd be interested to know what happened. I mean, both of your answers, obviously, but I'd be interested to know what happened with Final Fantasy XV, I think they're calling it now. The what? 13 Verses? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. 15. Yeah. Mm. I just It's been in development for, what, 12 years now? yeah. Actually, another one that like completely did vanish that I would love to know more about the development of was Six Days in Fallujah. Mm, yeah, that was like had such potential and then just folded in on itself. It's Konami's cowardice just got in the way. Yeah, like I would love to know as much as possible about Six Days in Fallujah. So yeah, there you go. That's some that's some games we'd like to know, see some books about maybe. Um, we actually had some good answers. That's that's not often the case. Yeah, on it this wasn't show. like a stupid BS question or something. We had intelligent Yay. thoughts. Hooray! Go us. Um, okay, Sean Marbury wants to ask. Imagine the three of you now have a blank check to create the largest video game review site ever. You have complete creative control. What does the site look like? 
the gymquisition.com, but a bit less WordPressy, um, which I'm still getting worked on. Um, my designer is, has been doing some. Uh, He's had to take some personal leave, but that's still getting worked on. So, basically, what I've already got coming up, but except you know, with like you know more more of your penis on it, probably and probably a bit more, a little bit more. If, just you had, a, if you had the server money, just a skosh more, just a little skosh more. When they say "what does it look like," do they actually just mean visually, or I, do they I, mean that in a I, broad sense? I of, assume that in the broad sense. Yeah. Like, how are you putting this together? Right, anyone you'd bring in for this if you were like, yeah, I'm putting this team together. Who am I stealing from here, there, and everywhere and sticking together? I would probably get Conrad and, and yourself, Laura, on board a lot more. It'd be fun to... If I had the money at like that mm. much money at that point, I'd probably be a lot more comfortable about taking on some, some more regular staff. Yeah, I'm trying to think like who if I could bring anyone onto a game site who writing today I'd be I'd bring in. Like I'd probably pinch someone like Emily Guerra, uh maybe Alice O over at um RPS. Uh I'm trying, to th- trying to think who are people that I'd go and poach now. I feel bad now for everyone I'm not mentioning. Susan Earned? Oh yes. Actually that's a really good call. Um Kara Ellison I could see, I could see Steele and Cara Ellison be like, yeah. Cara Ellison's kind of out of the game now. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm like, it's a bit late, but you know, maybe as I have the blank check, I can be like, here is a million pound a month, please. No, I'm sure write she's about got video a, games. Yeah, everyone's got a price. Yeah, I'm sure that a blank check will eventually cover anyone's price. So, come I'm back to the toxic of... community of video games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of anything the McElroys touch. Oh God, yes. Mm. Oh, I'd, I'd pinch if I could work with with Griffin and Justin on something like I, that would be sublime. I'd, yeah. I'd pinch some of the video gamer guys as well. Get them doing some video stuff. Yeah, I, I want to work with Steve Burns one day on something. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll take Steve Burns in. We'll have him in as well. And you know, there you go. There, there is a vague thing of what we would do if we had infinite money. Maybe. <laughs> so, what other questions do we have? Um, Daniel Palencia has got a question this week uh, going off of Laura's Undertale woes from this week has there ever been a game or a boss fight that was too hard and you had to give up on probably I can't remember now I'm sure yeah, there's been some actually I'm, there was one that shitty Namco Bandai game Knight's Contract uh, there was a boss that was just so ridiculously imbalanced and unfair, I stopped. And I wrote the review without a score. And I said straight up, I said, look, I got this far. My job is not worth playing this shit anymore. I won't put a score on it. The game's fucking shite. I will never touch this again. I can't remember much about the boss. I just remember it being, like, there's a lot of fire and a lot of opportunities to fall off a very small platform into the fire. And, like, Knight's Contract was just... It was unbearable. So badly designed and imbalanced. Uh, I, I really, I cannot recommend running away from that game if ever it's seen. Years ago, when I did what could be called games journalism uh, for a site called The Game Boys. Nice. <laughs> that is good. That's top oh, yeah. notch. It was, uh, they were based locally, it was when I was in high school, and uh, we wrote reviews and we got to keep the games, that was the, that was the deal. Um, 
uh, this is a bad deal uh, looking back on it, but at the time it was like, oh, sweet. Um, Free video so, you know, games. Woo. Yeah, exactly. I got, a, I got to review Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. That was amazing. But I also had to review when they brought Dragon's Lair. Uh, uh, it was, so they'd done, they'd, because you know that Dragon's Lair and Space Ace have been re-released for everything that can run software. Mm-hmm. And they'd made a DVD version of it. And the DVD version had a big sticker on the front that said, that sort of touted it as a PS2 title because the PS2 could play DVDs. So that was a little scummy. So I was asked to review it as a PS2 title. How did that and go? For those unfamiliar with Dragon's Lair, it's, it's an old, old arcade game uh, by Don Bluth, and it's fully animated, and it's designed to steal your quarters. It's designed to be the worst game because it's supposed to just take your money. And so it just makes it incredibly frustrating when there's stuff because you, you you have to push up, down, left, right, or or center. And it's completely unintuitive which direction is actually the correct one to push. Like sometimes it's like, oh, I go, the door is there, so I push to the right. Okay, that works. But most of the time it's like, ha, idiot. You were actually supposed to go the other way. You're you're so stupid. Give me your money. And I just got so frustrated with it. And reviewing it, I, I, I had to ask the editor. I was like, am I reviewing this like a PS2 game? And he was like, yeah, because they say it's for PS2. And I'm like, okay, then it's shit. Then it's utter garbage. <laughs> I refuse to try and beat this thing. Oh, God. I, I just remembered I had one of those from early when I was reviewing for back at uh, Watch Culture. And I got sent, um, like, I'm a big fan of Steel Battalion, the game with the huge, like, mech thing. No. And Steel Battalion Heavy Assault, I think it was called. It was the Kinect Steel Battalion. Oh! No! The Kinect functionality was broken. Oh, yeah. Do you want to know the point in this game where I stopped playing? There was a mission where you have to hold your hand up for, like, 15 minutes just watching a road... And when you see the one car come past that's the right car, you throw your hand down to, like, fire and kill the person in the car and complete the mission. And if you get the wrong car, because there are lots of cars that look very similar, you fail and you've got to hold your arm up for another 15 minutes. If you do put your arm down at the right time, it just won't register it. And it's like, oh, no, the car got away. It's like, well, I put my fucking arm down. I tried it three times. I had my arm up for the best part of 45 minutes and was like, nope, fuck it. I'm not finishing this game. This is getting like an unplayable score because I cannot finish this fucking game. I didn't even get that far. I Once once I realised I couldn't even catch an apple in the first five minutes, I was like, fuck this. Uh, that is one game that I still feel above anything else. Worse than Colonial Marines even. Um, I feel... That it is atrocious that there wasn't a product recall. If that was a physical, if that was a, like a, a fucking teddy bear that was supposed to talk, mm. that was as broken as that, I, it would have gotten recalled. I still like, own it was a th- legit broken, and it needed to be taken off shelves. I still own my physical copy of that game because I can't bring myself to get rid of it because that was the first game I got sent pre-release to review, and it's like, yep, this is where it all began. This absolute piece of shit that no one else at What Culture wanted to review. 
Hooray! So it actually it reached yeah. number one in my uh, top ten shittiest games Jimquisition Award thing of that year. I, like I was... think it should be top ten shittiest games of the generation, <clears throat> decade, whatever. It should probably quite possibly, quite possibly. I mean, on. it was it was the most glaring case of a of a game that should have been subject to a product recall. It's... And I don't I don't say that lightly. Mm-hmm. It was legitimately. In not any sort of working order. Like, this wasn't just glitches and bugs and brain, you know, game-breaking errors. This was, it fundamentally did not work. It's the only retail, like, boxed retail console game I've ever not completed because I couldn't finish a mission because it, it just wasn't happening. No, it wasn't playable. The game was not playable. So that's always fun. Um... I've got a question for you, Jim, quickly. Uh, Dante Katsanis wants to know, uh, does Jim ever worry that one of the games he's covered on, like, Best of Steam, Greenlight trailers, or, you know, those squirty plays or something, might turn out to have a lot of hidden depth and be Frog Fractions 2? Is that ever a concern that you might be like, oh, this game's a load of shit, and then it turns out it was Frog Fractions 2 all along? Not really. I tend to, and I could be wrong, you know, I know. I, I'm never going to say I'm infallible. That's that's for the internet to to say about me. Um, I could be wrong about things, but I tend to feel that I have a very good read. You know, having done this for as long as I have, I can look at something and get a pretty good tell on whether that's got potential or not. You know, um, look at something like Shower with Your Dad Simulator. You can kind of look at that and think. There, there, there might just be something there. There might just be something there. There's enough intelligence I, in the marketing and design of this that there yeah, might be another layer. I'm not, I'm not gonna just outright call it shit. Then you can look at something that's like, like uh, best of scene green. I tried as I did yesterday called Campfire, where it was a minute and fifty four seconds of a camera slowly rotating around a campfire, and that was the trailer. And it was just stock assets from Unity uh, of just this pre-bought fire that did nothing but be a fire and there was no gameplay. And I can look at that and think, having dealt with these developers before and having played so many of these games on Steam now, I can tell which ones look like they could be something and which ones just have no future. And again, I could make some mistakes. I mean, you know, I, I did uh, Chipper and Sons Lumber Company, and, and Gavin's not here to give me shit about this one, <laughs> and had no idea that would lead to Five did, Nights did at Freddy's. Did you single-handedly create Five Nights at Freddy's, Jim? I'm Jim Sterling, the inventor of Five Nights at Freddy's. Hi. Yeah, you're the it's developer. It's all your fault, Jim. It's all your fault. I'm Gav. <laughs> uh, I blame you. I'm also Bono. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm real tired right now. Uh, I need to Pino, have a drink. Been out drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. drinking coffee. It's 10 a.m. here. Well, now it's noon, I guess. <laughs> I, um, what am, I, what am yeah. I drinking? I'm drinking Dark Thunder, which has like a, a melting green neon skull with a lightning bolt on the top of it. Brilliant. Dark thunder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question for Graham before we wrap hey. up this week. Is this one for you? Uh, who came up with the concept for Desert Bus? That was a combination of James Turner and Paul Saunders, two other of our number here at Loading Ready Run, because this was nine years ago now. Uh, James felt that we should do something in support of Child's Play. Something. Not entirely sure what, but that we should 
you know, do like a thing, some sort of child's play fundraiser. Um, and uh, Paul had found a ROM of, of uh, well, not of Desert Bus specifically, but of the game, the unreleased Sega CD game um, that Desert Bus is a part of, which is Penn & Teller's Smoke and Mirrors, because Desert Bus is just like a mini game in this other game. And... Uh, thought that we should stream us doing this because the game has no end. He thought that it would be it would be funny just to stream us doing this like endless stream of doing this until we go crazy. And then we decided, but wait, what we could do is we could combine those things, and thereby inadvertently the first video game charity fundraiser. So that was fun. Hooray! Um, yeah, and uh, that's or uh, to be clear, video game. Charity fundraising marathon is. It, it was written down on some website that logs these things that we were the first ones. Yeah, so it was fun to watch as well. I, I I like to tune in and catch them as and when I can while it's playing through the through the days that it runs. Awesome, it's very good. Highly recommended for those those of our listeners who haven't ever checked out yeah. Desert Bus. I, I normally uh, always link to it. Is, at is it some fair point. to describe it as just you drive a bus down a road? Uh, so real quick, <laughs> the game is you you. You drive a bus from Tucson, Arizona to Las Vegas, Nevada at 45 miles an hour in real time. So it takes eight hours. Yep. Uh, the bus has a slight list to the side, so you can't just tape the controller down. You have to hold down the accelerator, and you have to constantly correct to keep the bus on the road. <laughs> and there is no traffic. There are no turns in the road. It's a perfectly straight road. Nothing happens. At the end of eight hours, you get to the other thing. You get one point, and then you turn around and go back the other way. <laughs> the game doesn't end. It doesn't even spin the disc after you load it. The whole thing runs out of memory, out of Sega CD <laughs> memory. <laughs> it's it's basically if you took like Euro Truck Simulator Two, and just stripped away pretty much everything. You're still on a road. You yeah. still have to focus on the road. And, and some people have tried it. to be like. Some people try to be like, oh, you know what you should do is you should do you should play different games like uh, Big Rigs Over the Road Racing. And I'm like, no, 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 that's far too entertaining. Yeah, it, the whole point of it is I'm driving down a road. I'm making sure I don't drive off the road. Maybe there's someone with me. We drive down it's the road. It's mind-numbing, yeah. Well, you say it's mind-numbing. It's, it's a road trip. And it's only <laughs> as mind-numbing as your road trip companions, I well, suppose. Well, it's funny because, cause, you know, we, there's a bus... Uh, Obviously, has that reputation uh, for for what it is, but then you get Euro Truck Simulator has, has come out since then, and and people love it, and I love it. Like I love Euro Truck Simulator, and to a lesser degree, American Truck Simulator, which came out recently, which is again just a. There's obviously a bit more to it than than Desert Bus, <laughs> but much of the gameplay is still just driving, and I'm f I find it incredibly absorbing and enjoyable to just, like, throw up one of the internet radio stations, and then, then I'm listening to ABBA and cruising down you know, some some desert road in, in Las Vegas or wherever. I, I think the big thing is because, like, those games are less than eight hours for one to get one oh, point. Oh, sure, it's more... That, it, yeah, that's there's the accessibility more angle. Like, even if it was just a straight road... If Desert Bus was less than eight hours long, I would probably use Desert Bus the same way I use like um, Euro Truck Simulator, just to be like, I want to listen to a podcast and do something while I do it. I suppose let's go drive the drive, drive down the road for a bit. I don't necessarily want to drive down the road for eight hours. <laughs> I would love to see someone try and take the Desert Bus thing and turn it into 
try and make it compelling. Eight hours long still, a straight stretch of road, but something to, to make it more than what it is, you know? Like, no. give it so much more gameplay in it. I'd be this interested is the problem. to see if it's you, possible. Yeah, any, anything extra you add to Desert Bus, I'm pretty sure you're you're ultimately removing from Desert Bus. I Yeah, I mean, I'm probably being... I'm probably suggesting blasphemy for that and I'm, I may have to regret that I may may have to feel you know shame for my words and deeds there yeah we did have another question for Graham uh, from Dylan Lockwood what's your favourite Magic the Gathering format at the moment oh uh, there's a bunch I... of people asking about Magic the Gathering yeah we do a lot of uh, for those who don't know we make broadly speaking comedy internet comedy uh, a lot of it is video game focused and a lot of it is magic the gathering focused and uh, so that's that's why we get a lot of uh, magic questions my current format is and almost always is uh, limited which is to say booster draft and the current the current um, format which is oath of the gatewatch is super fun i'm i'm very much enjoying uh, drafting that set it's pretty great Hooray! Um, last one again, another one for Graham. Um, Enos Scholseth. I've probably pron- mispronounced your name. I don't know how to pronounce that circle Brilliant. with the line through it. Um, can you ask Graham if man cooking is coming back? Wow, what a what, that's out of nowhere. Yeah, this is this is on a forum thread on the unofficial gym page. It's like, is man cooking coming back? That's so many years ago. Um, <laughs> Not anytime soon, because Morgan, the guy who was in it, is like doing his own thing. He's working in uh, uh, TV, you know, like he's doing sort of crew stuff in Vancouver. For uh, last I heard, he was working on Supernatural. Um, so probably not. But wow, yeah, man cooking. <laughs> that was when this is. Uh, I use this as an example actually when people were like. Uh, um, trying to figure out why the whole fine brothers react video thing was so bad and it was the it was the wording of their trademark that they could enact trademark on uh creatively similar series mm-hmm. and i was like if if that was like if that was a thing that people could do then because of man cooking we could have tried to stop epic meal time like it's they're not the same thing and Epic Meal Timer are great and super entertaining, but it's like it's close enough that we could be like, now hang on, and that's yeah. So it, to give it, it to is, give you an idea of what man cooking was, it is a bunch of men cooking. It was pretty, it was pretty easy to boil down. <laughs> yeah, it was it was one guy doing a ridiculously over the top character, but that we would occasionally yeah. subvert when it was funny. Ah, so there we go. That's that's a question about man cooking. Um, uh, is is that a good place? Blast from my past. <laughs> is this a good place for us to wrap up for this week? Feels like a. I think like so. A good place I feel to wrap over. up. A good show. Good show. Good show. This is a good one. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. I called you Gavin. Then um, <laughs> I'm missing him already. Thank you, Graham. Neo Gavin, uh, for joining us this week. It's uh, it was a pleasure. Great to to have you on. Great to speak to you again. Um, In the year twenty XX, only Neo Gavin remains. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah, it was good to talk to you. Oh sure, and and you, you know you can check out Graham's work at uh, Loading Ready Rum. Um, is it is it just loadingreadyrum.com? dot com? Yeah, loadingreadyrun.com, YouTube and Twitch and Twitter. It's all the same. It's Loading Ready Run. We're very brand-wise consistent in that regard. Mm -hmm. And I 
I, unless you want to tack another 10 minutes on this podcast, I won't explain to you the content we produce, but it's a lot of stuff and there's probably something you'll like, so check it out. It's a lot of different comedy concepts and uh, there's a, you know, highly recommended by yours truly. Um, I, I especially like the live streams uh, that they do on Twitch, yeah. um, but they're, they're, there's, there's a lot of different varied stuff and it, it's, it's all good. It's all good yeah. stuff. I had a couple of people asking, this might be a good question to, to wrap this up with for you, is... Are there any particular pieces of content you've done that you would suggest to anyone who's never seen anything loading ready run to say like, yeah, watch these two or three things, have a look at these, these will be the things that tell you if you might like our stuff or not? Yeah, I think the, so the crap shots, because they are the the smallest outlier effort on your part, they're like 30 to 60 second mini sketches where we just try and get in and get the joke and get out. Uh, and I suggest that because you can run through them very, very quickly. Um, feed dump is a good way to get sort of the personalities of the people uh, who are involved in Loading Ready Run, and that's just us sort of making fun of uh, weird news. And most recently, something that we started is a podcast called Corp Line, uh, which uh, I'm personally very proud of from a creative standpoint. It's... we. We don't listen to Welcome to Night Vale, but we've been told that we should describe it as a comedy Welcome to Night Vale. Um, so we'll, I guess I'll do that. And uh, <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's really funny. So you should check that out. There's, it's, it's available as a podcast, but there's a video component on the, on the YouTube uh, with some pretty funny graphics as well. So those, those might be good sort of entry-level points. Um, if you're a fan of the stuff Jim does, then our show Checkpoint is like gaming news commentary on gaming news it's like it's like snl's weekend update but for gaming news Hurrah. so there's there's a brief there you go <laughs> brief. now this is the bit where jim now asked me to tell me what i so where stuff. my stuff that is. is true laura people have listened to this podcast with their ears and their tongues and they are so curious now as to how they can keep this train going because soon we're going to leave them in silence and desperation. How can they keep the voices in their head uh, via you? Well, if you want to keep away all of the clawing thoughts of how depressing life is and how nothing means anything and everything is ultimately pointless. And, and it wanna, is horrible. Yeah. And if you want to keep those thoughts out of your head using my voice, you can do that by finding me at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, LauraKBuzz.com, Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, Laura K. Buzz on YouTube, Laura K. Buzz on Twitch, Laura K. Buzz, just everywhere. Bunch of Laura K. Buzz content. And if you want to see her review of Street Fighter V, it's up on thegymquisition.com. It went up last week. Indeed, and if you want to see me being mediocre at, mediocre at Street Fighter V, you can see that in, in the Gymquisition this week. Yeah. Yes, yeah, well, one of the two Gymquisitions this week. Oh, yeah, um, the, the, the one that's about Street Fighter. The one that went up on Monday, the, the triple... Uh, the, yeah, the triple the early, early, tri- the early, early triple, triple access. access. You forget triple your episodes. access. Access. Right? Is, that, yes. is that how it's pronounced? Okay. That's how it's pronounced. And uh, one went up today as we record this called uh, Where is the Fair Use, which is a, a follow-up to uh, the work of I Hate Everything and uh, Doug Walker at Channel Awesome and a whole bunch of other channels. Um, you know, it's real good. And everything. Uh, thank you, thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's following up on YouTube's just atrocious behaviour um, in 2016. Like, it, you know, the, the year's barely started yeah. and they seem to have gone hell for well, leather like, with some of their the day, stuff. The day of recording this, they, did, they took down the whole Team 4 Star channel yeah. on YouTube. Just gone. 
on. Yes, yes. Uh, last night, yeah, Team Four Star just wiped off the face of the earth. Um, it's getting rid- it's getting absolutely ridiculous. And at time of recording, they are back online. Yeah, they did get back. At- yes, okay, that's good. Mm. But the very fact it happened in the first place just. Just oh, it's monumentally stupid. stupid. It, it is terrifying how easily these things can happen. Last week, my entire Twitch channel got deleted because of an admin error. Like, yeah, I lost that, my that Twitch channel for, for like, just over 24 hours. Was it you were streaming Far Cry Primal, I, and then Ubisoft, who allowed you to stream it, Yeah, we it were allowed to stream it, like, three days early before launch, and I did, and then their automatic, like, search for people playing unreleased games filter picked it up and was like... Nope, and deleted my account. I was mid I was midway through a stream. I had like three hundred people watching, and then it just pff, it was gone. And I was like, oh, thanks. Ludicrous, so, absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, don't you just love the power that these uh, companies have? Much yeah. like YouTube, scary. Yeah. Scary times. But uh, we're all right here. We're we're still ticking just for now, for now. And we do anticipate being back next week without any of our content deleted off the internet. Fingers crossed. And uh, thank you, as always, for your support on Patreon and everywhere else. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.